Hello and welcome back to Anointed Fire. My name is Tiffany Buckner and I want to talk to you really briefly about mentorship models, mentorship models. And the reason this is important um, is because when it comes to mentorship, I believe every believer should be mentored. Every believer should look for a mentor because the Bible says in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. If you believe you're called to anything great, if you believe that you're called to anything grand, or even if you just want to break generational curses, it is a great idea to invest in a mentor. But the reality is a lot of people don't invest in mentors because in the United States of America, most people are easily offended. And at the same time, you have people who genuinely feel like when it comes to mentorship, it should be free, especially when it comes to Christian mentorship. I've had people to try to argue me down about that. Basically, like you're supposed to give me your time for free and I'm not supposed to give you anything in return. And, you know, it's funny and it's sad at the same time that there are people out there who think like that. And, you know, they like, well, you know, Jesus did this and Jesus, Jesus told, chose um, some people to walk with him. Jesus did not choose everybody. You couldn't just walk up to Jesus and say, uh, excuse me, I'm going to be walking with you. Okay. Thank you very much. No, he chose who was to walk with him. And even in that, some of those guys, many of those guys walked away. And so Jesus was strategic in choosing who walked close to him Versus the ones who just, you know, uh, he discipled. The same thing happened with the prophet Elijah in the Bible. He chose Elisha. He personally chose Elisha because God anointed or God chose Elisha. But there was a school of prophets that were following him around. They were more of, at a distance, but they followed him, followed him around. So the thing about it is. If you ever see a mentor or you ever see somebody that you want mentorship from, you cannot come up to them and ask to be the Elisha. You better be the school of prophets until that person gets a revelation of you being in Elisha. And one of the things that, you know, I'm finding disturbing is that me hosting mentorships, I'm finding it very disturbing that there are so many people um, who want the Elisha model, but they don't want the responsibility. And what they do is when they don't get it, they get offended. It's the craziest thing. I have people, for example, in mentorship that are hungry. They are hungry. They come along. They're volunteering. They're like, hey, mentor, what are you doing today? What are you doing? What do you need help with? And those people, you know, they are a school of prophets, but they're walking relatively closely. They're walking relatively closely. And as they're walking closely, I'm able to see like, okay, uh, yeah, definitely. I'd love to work with you. And, you know, it makes me want to say, okay, you, you know, I talked to him. So I talked to them a lot more on the phone. And so we have more of the mentorship model that a lot of people fantasize about, but the other people and not all of course, but you do have a few people who want that model, but they literally don't want to have any responsibility in it. And a lot of times their argument would be, well, I paid for mentorship. Well, you did, but you didn't pay for my soul. And this is what I tell people. I said, you're getting mentorship. I put the information out there we're having our meet our meetings we're doing all of that stuff what more do you want and i genuinely came to understand that most people want a soul tie most people want a soul tie and what i mean by that is they want to be able they want you to personally know them they want you to talk to them on the phone they want you to it's it's a personal it's personal it's more I want to talk to you on the phone. I want you to tell me what to do about this situation. And I want to I want you to tell me what to do about that situation. Let me tell you what's wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that mode of mentorship, but you have to be ready at that level and your hunger will determine that. The problem with that mode of mentorship is that you're asking to be close to the mentor, 
when in truth, you may not be that disciplined because the closer you get to the mentor, the more the mentor is going to see what's wrong with you. And when a mentor sees what's wrong with you, they're going to begin to correct that and you're going to get offended. Not only that, you will get familiar. I know many people have heard this word and people get offended at the concept of familiar, but they don't realize it because they've never hosted a, a mentorship, what it's like to have somebody to get familiar with you. When, it, when a person gets familiar, when they can't ha handle that level of familiarity, it's like letting children and grown folks conversations. They start thinking they're grown. They start thinking they should have a voice in those grown folks conversations, even though they have little to no experience in life, you know? And so a lot of times people, they want that up close and personal mentorship, but they don't want to make the sacrifice and they can't handle it. And when they get familiar, what it means to be familiar is a lot of people don't understand relational intelligence. So they start thinking that you are their friend rather than their mentor. And I found that a lot of people don't know the difference between a friendship and a mentorship. They want basically when they when they get into the mentorship program or any mentorship program, they are really paying their pastor or anybody that's mentoring them to be their friend. They are actually out here in these streets trying to buy friends. And when the person comes along and begins to mentor them, they get frustrated and offended because for them, they're like, that's not what I paid for. And you're like, okay, so tell me what you paid for. And the thing that I found is that when people genuinely know when something is unrealistic and unreasonable. So when you say, okay, I want you to spell it out for me. I want you to tell me what does mentorship look like to you? What is it that you feel that I should be doing? They cannot give you anything in that moment. They need to take a little space to kind of think about it because what they want to do is they know that if they said it outright, if they open their mouth and said, well, I feel like I should have your phone number. I feel like we should be going out to lunch, you know, at least once or twice, you know, um, every week or every other week, I feel like you should be giving me instructions. And I also feel like you should be platforming me. I should, I feel like I should have personal access to you. If I got a headache, I should be able to call you. If I have a nightmare in the middle of the night, I should be able to call you or what have you. And that sounds too much like a friend, but in that case, this, I've had mentorships like that before. So I know they don't, they don't work because that person will automatically turn you into a friend. Like I said, it's a lack of relational intelligence that we're dealing with. That person will automatically turn you into a friend. You may say, well, Tiffany, what's wrong with that? They're not going to listen to you anymore. It's not mentorship anymore. They're going to become argumentative and combative because when I say lack of relational intelligence, a lot of people have not had healthy authority figures in their lives. So they do not trust authority. They do not like anybody having a position of authority over their lives. So they want pastors, they want mentors, what have you, which means that that person is going to be an authority in their lives, but they don't know how to submit to authority. They don't trust authority. So everybody that comes into their lives, they have to automatically pull those people down and turn them into friends. They have to turn those people and to close friends and as soon as they get them in the friendship zone the first thing they're going to do is they're going to start to discredit and muzzle the mentor i'm going to tell you what i've learned personally i had a friend like that for five years that was supposed to be a friend a mentorship it was and it started off as a mentorship but i didn't understand mentorship i didn't understand mentorship models or what have you i didn't understand i remember when i had basically chose myself a mentor thankfully she did not allow me to get too close to her you know and i didn't understand it at the time but i didn't get mad about it either i just figured that she was busy but she didn't let me get too close to her because she understood that i had a level of immaturity that would would not allow me to keep honoring her that would have me starting to castrate her uh or what have you start 
starting to, you know, basically think that I was on her level or what have you. So she kept me at a distance. Um, she talked to me whenever she could or whenever she felt like she needed to. And she put the information out there, which is what I do. I, I've done. I put information out there, um, for example, on my teachable site. And I'm able to, especially like if a student start complaining about the mentorship, which is very rare, but I do get them. Um, if a student start complaining about the mentorship, one of the first things I do is I log into the back of um, Teachable because it shows me out of all of the messages that I've lo- listed on Teachable, probably about 100 of them, of all the messages, how many of those messages have they listened to? And I found that the people who complain the most have listened to the least messages. They literally don't want the, it's like, okay. Tiffany, how do I get over a soul tie? There's a message in the back office for that. Tiffany, how do I do this? There's a message in the back office for that. They don't want that. They want because most people feel like their situation is intricate. It's not like any situation you've ever heard before. I get it. You put information out there, but I feel like you need to hear my personal details first. And once you hear my personal details, you will understand why I don't feel like the message that you put in the back office is uh, relatable for me. I feel like my stuff has to be customized. It has to be tailored just for me. And you end up getting on the phone with them and giving them the same revelation that's already recorded. It's the same revelation. But the thing about it is they just want you to have a soul tie with them because they deal with rejection. In many cases, they're afraid that if you don't know them personally, you can reject them. They feel like, hey, I'm a quality person. Um, But at the same time, if you don't know me, you're not going to see the value of who I am. And so that they feel like I have to have a close and up, you know, up close and personal uh, relationship with you in order for mentorship to work. And that's not true. So. I know that there are two types of people that are going to listen to this broadcast, maybe even three. There's the one who has that, or well, if I pay money for a mentorship, you betcha by golly, wow, I better have your phone number. I'm going to call you whenever I want to. I call you in the middle of the night. You got my money. You're looking for souls and people to control. That's it. You're looking for people to control. The problem with that model is this. You got to understand that conversations, talking on the phone is very draining and If a person submits or becomes that type of mentor, they can only mentor maybe two or three people because every person feels like I need to talk to you every day. That's one thing about human beings, especially when you're dealing with women. Women typically feel like I need to talk to you every day or every other day at minimum. And you know what? I don't want 20 minutes of your time. I don't want five minutes of your time. That's just disrespectful. I need you to be on the phone with me for a few hours. And I need you to listen to everything that I have to say. I need to tell you about this. And then not not only that, I need you to open up and tell me about yourself so that I can feel comfortable telling you about myself. That's called a soul tie. And the Bible says, guard your heart for out of it pours the issues of life. The thing about mentorship models is that whenever somebody's mentoring you, their goal is not to build a relationship or a soul tie with you. Their goal is to give you revelation and information, give you instruction. Sorry, I'm tapping this computer. That's what their goal is to do. Your goal is to eat it. Your goal is to eat it. Now, if you say, I feel that you're not giving me enough. I want, I'm hungry for more. The greatest thing that you can do, the the easiest way or the best way to get close to a mentor, because the goal, I think this is important. You have to understand that Jesus said, you must drink my flesh. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's what mentorship is. Basically, 
in mentorship, you're saying that the person has something on their lives that you feel that you qualify for. You feel that you want to, an impartation of that, whether it's a grace for deliverance or it is a grace for entrepreneurship. Whatever it is that you feel that that person has on their life, you're saying, I want a piece of that. But in order for you to do that, you got to walk close with that person and you're going to have to make sacrifices. You cannot ask them, the mentor to sacrifice for you and you're not willing to make any sacrifices the only thing you're willing to do is pay for a program then you get in the program and get upset because the program is not allowing you to have a soul tie with the mentor like i said i found that it's not that people are bad it's just a lack of relational intelligence because people just automatically assume when i go to a church and i pay tithes then i'm supposed to have the pastor's phone number i'm supposed to be able to call the pastor all hours of the night i'm going to turn him or i'm going to turn her into my personal counselor and they have to sit up on the phone with me for hours at a time and the pastor even though he's married he's supposed to you know if he's at lunch with his wife he's supposed to put that wait a minute finger up and walk away from the table with his wife and sit up on the phone with me and counsel me about my poor choices and even though he's taught on it even though he's given revelation on it even though there are replay videos on this information no i don't feel like i should have to watch that i feel like i should be on the phone with the pastor and he's supposed to tell me what he's already preached you see how narcissistic american christianity is He's supposed to tell me what he's already preached and that's what he's supposed to do even at the detriment of his marriage, at the detriment of his ministry as well because that type of model only allows you to mentor two to three people. And it's amazing to me when you're called to mentor hundreds, if not thousands of people, you always have people in the crowd who, 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 if they could, if they had the ability to do so, if they had the power to do so, if they had the authority to do so, I kid you not. They will close down your mentorship and just make you into their personal eunuchs. If they could personally do it, they will sit back and say, well, class is dismissed. I feel like I need her more than you guys. And I I, I understand. And I feel like there are some mentors out there that would be perfect for y'all. But I'm telling you, Sister Tiffany, I, I need Sister Tiffany right now. But yeah, I mean, maybe in a couple of years or what have you. But mm-mm, this is my mentor. This is my mentor. <laughs> and they will, if they had the power, the privilege and the authority to do so, they would do that. If they had the power, privilege, and authority, they would do that. And they would just have you on the phone. And like I said, the Bible says, don't cast your pearls to swine. They would become swine because what they would do after a while, they get familiar. And then now you're sitting there giving them wisdom that they don't respect because now they've gotten too close. They don't have relational intelligence. They don't understand that when you're dealing with somebody that is an authority figure in your life, the worst thing that you can do is become their friend. You know, I I think about you know, people that I've had in my life that I was mentoring them and I let them get too close and they decided they didn't want mentorship anymore. They were going to extract the mentorship for free that, you know, they were just going to disguise themselves as friends. They're going to call it a friendship or what have you. And so now, you know, they no longer want to show up for mentorship, no longer want to do anything as it relates to mentorship, but they do want to be able to call you whenever they want to. And I think to myself, whenever I've seen it, You didn't choose the greater thing, which shows that you lack relational intelligence because the greater part is actually mentorship. Mentorship is greater than friendship. The Bible says in a multitude of counsel, there is safety. In a multitude of counsel, there is safety. Mentorship is actually better than friendship because in mentorship, it allows you to eat revelation and grow. Friendship is just to accompany you on your journey. 
So if you're not eating, what you'll do is find yourself surrounded by other folks who are not eating. Therefore, they're not growing. And all of y'all are just be hanging out and talking on the phone. And look, none of you have any revelation of your future and you end up stuck. You end up stuck. But when it comes to mentorship, the, the one of the hardest things to do for most people as it relates to mentorship is to just stay in a place where they are mentored. To stay in a, in, a, in a place where they can be mentored. To say, well, you know what? I understand. While I like this, you know, I'm going. I'm gonna come close as I can. You know, I'm. I'm gonna allow, um, Sister Tiffany, for example, if I was your mentor, I'm gonna allow Sister Tiffany to mentor me, um, the way that God tells her to mentor me, and not the way that I fantasize about being mentored. Because at the end of the day, to be honest with you. I want the best. I want, I, listen, I want everything that God has for me. And I don't want to sabotage that. I don't want to ruin that. So I'm going to let Sister Tiffany mentor to, mentor me the way that God puts it on her heart to mentor me. That is the proper way to do it. That's the proper way to have a mentorship. A lot of times people don't want that. A lot of times people just want to go straight into the, well, no, uh, I think t- Sister Tiffany should be on the phone with me. I think I should be able to talk to her whenever I want to talk to her. Um, I feel like, you know, I should be able to do this. And then they lose the mentorship. They lose the mentorship aspect. Consequently, they don't have mentors. And so basically what I'm saying is this people get mentors and turn them into friends. Therefore, they don't have mentors anymore. So they basically come in disguised as mentees when they really just want friends. They just want people that they can control. Because in my experience with people like that, they are controlling. In my experience with people like that, they don't trust authority figures. In my experience with people like that, they want folks that they can sit there and say, no, I, I get what you're saying. Okay, okay, I'm trying not to get mad with you, but you got to listen to me. You got to listen to me. I get what you're saying, but I don't feel like, I don't feel like, I don't feel like, and it's like, Okay, do you want me to mentor you or not? I'm not sitting here saying you got to eat everything that I tell you. But at the same time, if I'm telling you something that's in the Bible, if I show it to you in the Bible, then why are we sitting here arguing? Like I said, I had a um, friendship that was like that. It was supposed to remain a mentorship. I didn't know any better at the time. So I allowed this young lady to come into my life and she came in asking questions you know she came in disguising herself and we never officiated a mentorship so i can't say that you know it was like you know she she pretended to be a mentee you know she came in asking questions um or what have you and i think she did kind of ask me something along the lines of uh mentoring her what have you but she came in asking questions i didn't know any better i had never uh really well i had been a part of a mentorship but at that time you know my my desire was to be close to my mentor and like, like I said, that lady didn't allow me to get close. Um, and it wasn't that she was bad. She was actually doing the right thing. The person that I remember that she had close to her, I remember was somebody who had been, um, you know, working with her, ministering with her, uh, not ministering with her, but volunteering with her heavily. And so I'm over there fantasizing about being close, but I don't want to re- really do no work or what have you. So when I get this young girl coming to my life, I see that that's what she wants. She wants that so desperately. So, you know, it's kind of like I'm vicariously giving myself what I want by allowing her to have that model of mentorship. And I came to understand why, you know, even I, even though I didn't get it even immediately after, you know, being friends with her. Um, over the course of time, I came to understand why people put these boundaries, why pastors and mentors and leaders put boundaries around themselves and they don't allow people to come running up on them 
Because people, when they come into a church, they want nothing more than to be the pastor's friend. But again, they won't respect him or they won't respect her if they get too close. That's the crazy thing about human beings is that they can't handle that level of 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 closeness that they oftentimes fantasize about because their fantasies are not going to match reality. So this young lady, I let her come in and I started talking to her every day. I am not lying when I say every day for hours at a time. Hours just listening to her go on and on about her life and her story, and I would minister to her, and we would laugh and talk, and I give her advice, and it, yeah, we built a soul tie, we built a friendship, and then next thing you know, it wasn't we weren't I wasn't mentoring anymore. I never forget when she opened her mouth and said, "I feel like you're my best friend." You know, you're the closest friend I have, even though I don't know you that well. And then she said, you're my best friend. And I stayed a slave to that for five years, not saying that she was a bad person. But I can say the reason that relationship ended, because it wasn't supposed to start that way. It was supposed to remain a mentorship. That's what it should have remained. It should have stayed a mentorship, but I didn't allow it to. I allowed her to have what she wanted to have, which was a friendship. And I kid you not. The one thing that, that, that I could not stand in that friendship was the fact that every time she called me every single day for the five years, five years, uh, we'd be on the phone every single day. And every time she called me, any for, for the most part, it got to the point where she was no longer listening. It got to the point where she felt like she needed to be the one talking and I needed to be the one listening. And then, you know, um, I would give her some advice or what have you. I remember it got to the point where it was just me sitting up on the phone, listening to her go on and on about her problems, about what people had said, about what her mom had said. It became one of those things. And not only that, it got to the point where when I did give her advice, she didn't respect it. When I did start giving her advice, she had no respect for the advice I gave her whatsoever and I just remember getting really frustrated after the time first I got used to it first I got it you know I just got used to it it was just it is what it is that's just how things are uh with her what have you then after a while it started getting frustrating because I realized like I'm literally on the phone poor and I understand the concept of pouring out your pearls of swine now because I realized I was literally on the phone talking to this girl and she was not listening i'm on the phone we can only talk when she's available uh because if i call her any other time she's not answering her phone um and whenever she called me she felt like i needed to answer my phone when she got on the phone she called me when she was in traffic and had nothing to say we were just on the phone and she didn't listen to nothing i said and the worst of it was the most frustrating thing that she did was i remember i would give her advice i would tell her i would give her instructions and stuff And she decided that she didn't, you know, she didn't want to take my advice, not with my name on it. She had to put it in somebody else's mouth. So she literally would sit there and it became a common thing. She would literally sit there and I'll say, "Uh, sis, you should do this. Sis, you should do that. And she's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And anyway, girl, so uh, I'm and she would do that. So long story short, it got to the point where. She'll get on the phone with me like a month later or two weeks later or something. She'll say, girl, I was talking to such and such and she advised me to do this or he advised me to do that. 
And it was mostly men. She, I realized she had respect more, mostly for what came out of a man's mouth. And I said, that's the same thing I told you. You did? I told you that last month. I told you when you were telling me about this, I told you that last month. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I just got it now. And at first, you know, you just think, okay, you know, guys, you're trying to speak to her. But after a while, I started realizing she did. She had no respect for what came out of my mouth. One and two, she didn't want to give me credit for my own stuff because, you know, I had this saying that had became relatively popular. You know, I posted it to my Facebook, said it a few times and it became relatively popular. I had that saying and I remember she got on the phone with me and she said it to me and she, you know, she was like, uh, like they always say. And I said, well, they don't always say that that's actually mine. It is. I was wondering where I got it from. I was like, yeah, that's mine. And I started realizing like this girl literally taking all my content and either she's fashioning it like anonymous or she's putting it in somebody else's mouth. Girl, I was listening to T.D. Jakes today and he said that. Well, no, T.D. Jakes didn't say that. I said that, you know, oh, he said something similar. Well, praise the Lord. And I got to the point where I'm like, what the heck am I on the phone for? Why, why am I talking to her? Why, what am I doing? And I come to realize that most people, the part that's annoying to me is that most people are actually pushing for that type of mentorship. They say they want mentorship, but that's what they want. They say they want mentorship. And, you know, granted this particular girl at the end, we had to end that because it wasn't, it was never supposed to be a friendship. She got to the point where she just became, she couldn't listen to nothing. I say it. And she, every time I would tell her something she didn't want to hear, uh, she would go back and tell me something. Oh, I talked to somebody else and they told me to do opposite. So I'm gonna do what they said. It, it got to the point where I'm just like, okay, child, what do you want? And I had to realize over the course of time that people, they push for that. Most people that ask to be mentored or not most, I would say a great deal of people, who asked to be mentored will actually fight you to have that. They will, put, they'll give you hell, you know, just to get that mode of mentorship and to do the same thing to get close to you and then to come in and start becoming your friend and then to start disrespecting anything that you say. But when you try to give them actual mentorship, they get mad because they don't want actual mentorship. They want, they thinking, well, I, I call it pastor in the pocket. They want to be able to call you up on the phone and tell you what Tyrone and Leroy and Troy and and, and Dexter and, and Tom and, and Roger did to them. They want to be able to tell you, so I met this guy yesterday and it, it's a bunch of pointless conversations. And I tell people my problem with that is it only allows you to mentor maybe two people, two, maybe three, three. If you if you get three, you you good. Um, it, it only allows you at the same time. You're not even mentoring them because they're becoming your friends. Um, and then at the same time, that takes you away from the hundreds or thousands of people that you can actually be mentoring. This young lady that I allowed to do that to me at the end of our friendship end up going through a, a major deliverance and uh, demons were talking out of her mouth. I'm saying that to say that is spiritual. When people do that, that is spiritual and they don't realize it. They're not cognizant of it. They're not walking around partnering with a demon saying, I know what I'm doing. No, they just lack relational intelligence. The enemy just comes along and tells them, you know what? You should talk to her. She should be getting on the phone with you. She should be this. She should be that because Satan wants soul ties with everybody. Uh, she should be doing this and she should be doing that so they, they can become distractors um, and even monitoring spirits. Because when you're talking to a person, you're going to be opening up to that person. The Bible told you to guard your heart, but you're going to be uh, opening up to that person. They want to be able to sit there and monitor 
or the enemy wants to monitor your life through them. Not only that, the enemy wants to distract you through them. And another thing I found that the enemy is very strategic in how he does a thing. Whenever the enemy wants to attack you, let's say you're not in need of deliverance. You are free. You don't got your deliverances or what have you. And you, you know, and deliverance, you should have it in record. I'm not saying that you're going to remain free once you get free, uh, but you get, you know, your, you get deliverances or what have you. But one of the things I've come to learn is that the enemy, when he wants to attack you, let's say if you're walking around here free, you got your deliverances and you've been trying to stay away from sin. You've been repenting and praying and what have you. And you're doing the work of God. You're doing the will of God. You're out here doing what God told you to do. You sit up and decide and you can ask anybody that tries to walk this thing out. Make a decision that you're going to write a book and watch what happens. The enemy, because he's not in you to attack you, he will use the people around you. And the attack is not always them calling you with negativity or calling you, cussing you out. One of the greatest attacks I found and how strategic the enemy is, is he'll attack them to get to you. I'll say that again. He will attack them to get to you. Now, that may sound relatively narcissistic. No, if you are not a developer, if you haven't created anything, you have never seen this. But if you are a producer or a mass producer like I am, you will see this. You will notice that it is a pattern of the enemy to attack a person to get to another person. This is why you got to be mindful who you're around. And this is why a lot of times people be running out here in these streets trying to get close to mentors, not realizing they set themselves up for an attack. They're setting themselves up for an attack that they probably can't handle because they're trying to get close to a mentor. Now, let me let me explain why the enemy will attack you to get to another person. If that person or let's say attack another person to get to you, if you have a friend and your friend is not fully delivered, your friend out here living uh, recklessly, what have you. But you say sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't went through your deliverances. You're currently not in need of deliverance. Everything is good. The enemy sees that you're trying to write a book. And that book is going to really do damage to his kingdom. But he can't reach you because he's not in you to attack you like that. Uh, when it comes to your job, you know, he tries to use people. But you know what? You walk in, uh, you, you walk in integrity. He can't find any area on your job to accuse you. So he keeps looking for areas or ways to accuse and attack you. But he can't find nothing. What he'll do is he'll attack your friend. And let me explain how. He will, for example, her boyfriend will cheat on her or hit her or go off on her her job will fire her a crazy a bunch of crazy stuff will happen to her and while he is attacking her he's attacking her to get to you because he knows in that moment because of her definition of friendship she thinks you're supposed to stop everything that you're doing and talk to her you're supposed to be on the phone with her 24 7 so what then happens is you get on the phone and she like, girl, I'm just tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of everything. Uh, girl, he didn't even come home last night. He didn't even come home last night. He gonna come home talking about he don't want to be with me no more. You know what you feel in that moment? It, you feel an obligation to, to support her, to be with her. Now, you're supposed to be writing a book, but every phone call that you have is draining. You got to hear me on this. I am a writer. I have written over 50 books. I'm telling you what I've learned as a writer. I've written over 50 po- I've written over fifty books for myself. I'm a ghostwriter as well. I've written over 200 articles. I have seen this repeatedly. Th- that girl will call, can you come over? Every time you talk on the phone with somebody who's having a negative situation, it literally drains you. 
So you may wake up in the morning, pop your knuckles and let out a big old sigh, really get ready to start typing. And you get a phone call. You look, you look, and you got three text messages and two missed calls. You call, you call her back. You say, Hey girl, what's up? What you doing? That's an attack because what's going to happen in the middle of that is that you're going to pour out what you should have poured in that book. You're going to pour out your time, your zeal, your energy into her. So you're going to be on the phone listening to her. And I can't even believe he's going to tell me something like that. I can't even believe a girl. He going to talk about he don't want to be with me. But yet still, he want to be with that baboon looking girl. You should see her, girl. And he going to be on the phone with you talking and talking. She going to be on the phone with you talking and talking and talking. But I was on end. Then what's going to happen is she going to say, I'm going to call you back. I'm going to call you back. When you get off the phone with her, you have no energy to write. Now, if you got a little bit left, you may start trying to write, but you ain't, you're, you're distracted. You keep thinking about the situation that she's talking about. All of those things are going on, so you can't even focus on the book. So you decide, you know what? Let me get up and let me go get me something to eat. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get me something to eat, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to hit reset. You know, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to get to this book because I'm off today. So I really, you know, I got my plans to write this book. This is what I found. People who have a lot of friends, it's hard for them to write books. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> you will not find a person who has a bunch of friends around him, especially friends who are not busy uh, writing books. So you get off the phone with her and next thing you know, you go get you something to eat. You eat, you come home, you're a little bit drained because you, you didn't have virtue come out of you. You didn't been talking to her or what have you. And so you eat, you come back to your computer, you pop your knuckles again, you get ready to write. Then your phone starts ringing. It's her again. Hello, girl, can you come pick me up? What are you talking about? Yeah, um, can you bail me out of jail? I'll give you the money right back. Or it may not be as extreme. It could be just her saying, I just, I just needed somebody to talk to. What you doing? Now you sitting up over here. On one hand, you don't want to say, sis, I really am busy because then you don't want to be accused of not being there for her because that's the American model of friendship. At the same time, you don't want to just get off the phone. So you just sit there and you like, um, I'm actually about to work on this project. Yeah, that's all right. Mm-mm. Now you feel bad. And now you're like, no, nah, I'm coming over here. I, 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 I got to be there for you, girl. I'm coming over. So you go over to her house and. She just sits there or y'all go out to eat and she just go on and on and on and on and on. Every time you get ready to write, it's going to be there. Now, let's say you finally give up on the book. You know, you lose because there's a time, you know, whenever you're getting ready to write a book, there's a time where you're excited because God is pouring into you at that time. So that, that time passes, you know, all of a sudden the zeal is gone. Even though you still plan on writing a book, it's just, you're just not excited about it anymore. You don't have any zeal for it. What you will find is that her and her boyfriend are reconciled. Her and her man gonna wreck her boot that her husband, whoever he is to her, they gonna reconcile. And she gonna be you be like, um, hey girl, I'm just leaving you a voice message saying, you know, hope all is well your way. I haven't heard from you. Uh, but keep me posted. And she'll send you the text message. Hey girl, love you. Um, just been uh chilling for these last few days, but I I'm out of town. I'm on a cruise with with Troy, and I'll give you a call back. Oh, what have you? She's gonna go on about her business. Sit down and try to write that book again and watch what happens. You don't think this is spiritual? Try. Sit down. Pray. Ask God. Say, Lord, I repent. I ask that you give me the, the zeal. Give me the attention. Give me the revelation. Give me the wisdom. Give me the, the excitement about writing this book again. And watch what happens. As soon as you sit down to write, your phone going to ring. Hey, girl, what you doing? 
Um, I'm busy. I'll call you right back. I, I, I had something to tell you. Okay. That phone call going to start off. It'd be like two hours long. All right. Now you get off the phone with her. You say, I'm going to write. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm about to sit here and write. Somebody else going to call you. Everybody's demanding your time. Um, and then if you don't, if that doesn't work, you're going to get a call from her again. Hey girl, I'm sorry to call you back like this. Um, you, you got a minute. Yeah, oh, sure. What's up? So I found out he's cheating again and I'm not going to lie while it hurt. I'm, I'm, I'm just over it. Now you feel obligated again. You will not get that book out two, three years down the road. That book going to still be sitting in your head. That's if God doesn't take it from you and give it to somebody else. You read the parable of the talent, you will find that God will take the talent. He will take what he gives to one person and give it to another person. If the person is not diligent and doing what he told them to do when he wants them to do it, that is warfare. That is unregistered warfare. That's one form of warfare that we don't realize is happening because I'm a mass producer. I have created over 50. I've written over 50 books. I think I'm totally total now at 55 books before the end of this year. God willing, I'll be 60 plus books because I've, and I've written over 200 articles. I have seen this happen a thousand. I've seen it happen so many times. I got a selling logo company with over a thousand designs. I have a lot. God has really blessed me and I've gotten a chance to see how the enemy moves. I've gotten a chance to see how he attacks. I've ministered to people. I have counseled people through it and I've had to help them to understand that is an attack. When you are writing a book, you need to actually sit down and turn your phone off. You need to turn your phone off and you got to be mindful of who you have around you because them jokers will drain the crap out of you. <laughs> they will drain you. And it only happens when you start trying to get really in your purpose. Think back to when you tried to do something great. And I want you to uh, ask yourself why you didn't finish it. Come on, do it. Take the time right now. Think about the time you were trying to write a book or you plan to write a book. Think about that time when you were about to, to start your business. What happened? What happened? People. Most of the time is the people around you. That's a form of warfare. And so I say that to say a lot of times when it comes to mentorship, that's what the enemy is trying to do. He wants to get people around you so they can serve as distractors so that they can call you up. And there are people out there, I kid you not, they're emotional. They can't handle anything. They want to have they want to have people to Jezebel them. They want to be able to call you. I died. And you got to tell them what to do every single day. When you're a mass producer, you have to understand that your heart is open. And because your heart is open all the time for you creating, the enemy is trying to get anybody up in there. I'm talking about he he just be like, please, I just, just can I send you a man? Can I, can I, can I send you any? Who can I send? And when you say mentorship, then he's going to send easily offended people. He's going to say easily offended people who say, I feel like mentorship should be, I should be able to talk to you and I should be able to do this and do that. And they will call the crap out of you. And sure enough, they don't realize that they will set themselves up for warfare because the enemy, when he wants to get to you, he will attack the crap out of them, knowing that they're entitled, knowing that they're going to sit there and they're going to get on your phone. They're going to call. <laughs> yeah. You better, I'm telling you, you better do something because I'm telling you, I'm about to, I'm, 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 try, I'm trying not to get arrested. I'm trying not to get arrested. So now you're up from your computer and you're always having to do with them. You know what's crazy to me? The le the less people I have around me, the more I can produce because my time is not taken by people. That's why when I employ mentorship models, I employ mentorship models that allow me to mentor and minister to people in a safe environment 
all the while not creating an ungodly soul tie. Because if you're mentoring a person, you're probably going to get a soul tie, but not creating an ungodly. So not creating that intimate connection that they want. And you create the intimate connection with those that are hungry for it. Those who can handle it. Because I'll say this. I remember this one young lady that she got into one of my mentorship programs. And um, sure enough, you know, she started volunteering with me. I made a big mistake with this lady. I made a big mistake with her. She was very skilled and, you know, Excel and all that. And she, so she came along and she's like, I can help you with this. I can help you with that. I can help you with this. I can help you with that. Oh, let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, she became my personal assistant. She became my personal assistant. And I remember asking her, you know, questions about her life. Like, you know, um, I remember her not having, she left a church. It was a religious church. She left a church or what have you. And uh, that was that. So long story short, after she became my personal assistant, I gave her my phone number and she would text me all the time, every single day, every day, every day. She texts me, hey, I'm working on this form. Um, I, I need to talk on the phone with you. I need to talk. I need to talk. I need to talk. I need to talk. I said, okay, I would get on the phone with her and she'd be like, Okay, so I'm trying to put this file together. I want you to know, I wanted to know what folder did you want me to put this in? How did you want me to do this? How did you want me to do that? I answer her, but then the conversation would always go into, yeah, you know, okay, this is what's going on. And so, you know, and I would end up talking too. I'd be sitting up there, so the phone, we'd be on the phone for um, like an hour at times or what have you. Sure enough, she started getting familiar. Sure enough, she started getting to the point where uh, she could no longer receive, if you may. Um, and when I say that she was still, you know, acting like a mentee, but at one particular day, she shocked me, completely shocked me because I thought all was well. Um, I remember she started pulling away and, um, she said, you know, I, I need to take some time off. And when she said that, I honestly knew that the mentorship was over with. I knew it. Um, I didn't want to admit it to myself, but I knew that it, it, this thing that I had built with her, because first and foremost, she wasn't reading her Bible because right before the end of that, I asked her how often she read her Bible because it just seemed like she was always under attack. I said, you know, um, how often do you read your Bible? And she was like, oh, uh, I haven't, you know, I haven't been reading it like I should or what have you. And I told her, I said, OK, what I need you to do is I need you to start reading your Bible every day. And she was like, yeah, OK. I said, you need to start reading your Bible. I knew then that the enemy was going to start trying to pull her, but I didn't think she would fall for it. Um, next thing you know, she told me she needed to take a few weeks off. I said, okay, there's nothing I can actually do about that. So I was like, okay. Um, and then after she took those few weeks off, she told me, she said, um, I need to, what did she say? She said, I need to, I'm trying to see. How did she say it? She needed to take some time off. And then she came back and she said she needed to, uh, she didn't know she was coming back. And then she told me, you know, she basically didn't. So she didn't, uh, she didn't officially like quit, quit. What she did was she said, um, what did she do? I got to get, I got to stop looking at the screen because I'm trying to work on something. But what she did was she got on the phone with me and she was like, um, no, she started texting me and she was like, 
can you remove my name from your website, remove my stuff? So, you know, she started telling me to just basically, and I, it, it's, it's almost like a man that left, you know, that looks at you one day and says, babe, it ain't you, it's me. I need to take a break. You know, I need to move out, you know, just for a couple of weeks. And, you know, it's not you, it's me. I just need to move out for a couple of weeks. And yeah, it's confusing. It's frustrating, but you just say, okay. And you try to be respectful about it or what have you. Then he comes home and he just packs his bags and says, um, remove my name off your accounts, take my name off social media. Don't that's, that's exactly what it was like to me. Cause I was like, what happened? You know, but my mistake was I allowed her to get too close because when people get too close, they people, most people lack relational intelligence. It's not that they're bad. They just don't know how to have friendships or not friendships. They don't know how to have relationships with mentors, everything that they have, they're going to turn it into a friendship. And once it becomes a friendship in their mind, they start to discredit the person. And so I'm saying that to say, when it comes to mentorship models, you have to have enough relational intelligence to respect the fact that your mentor doesn't give you their phone number. Your mentor is not on the phone with you 24 seven. Your mentor does require, if you want, if you want more of your mentor, you have to go close. They don't have to come into your cave. They don't have to come into your little bubble. They don't have to come in and convince you uh, to let them mentor you. you, your trust issues, you cannot place the, that burden on your mentor. Your rejection issues, you cannot place that burden on your mentor. Those are your issues. They are not your mentor's issues. Um, the sooner you come to understand that, the easier it is for you to get mentored, and you can you can respect the, the distance and the space that they put between you and them themselves, and understand that it is actually so that they can continue mentoring you and receiving the honor and the respect. And it's not about them. When I say honor and respect, that means I can give you wisdom, or they can give you wisdom that you actually respect, as opposed to you thinking, "Oh, girl, please, I already know you." I, I talk to you like every day, and I, girl, please. Uh-uh, uh-uh. See, uh, like I said, see, the way your problem is, and this is one of the things I've noticed that people who do that, they actually literally, I kid you not, they always do this. If they're able to get close the way they want to, now people will fight and scream and scratch and claw trying to get close to you. But as soon as they get close, they start castrating you. They start muzzling you because they get close enough. When they get within reach, they're going to put a muzzle on you and they're going to take a, <laughs> they're going to castrate you. But they get close and they always become argumentative always uh -uh. see uh -uh. and they always start finding stuff that's wrong with you because uh -uh. he already know what you was at i bet you was at mcdonald's today tell me come on tell me you went huh i bet you was at mcdonald's today girl please they find stuff that's wrong with you so that they can discredit your voice because somebody did that to them and they don't know how to be mentored and the frustrating thing i think for me is that sometimes you come across these people and they're truly anointed but they sabotage it because they have a fantasy about mentorship that is not the way mentorship is supposed to be. And they go and find small churches, small, you know, people out there who are still, you know, developing, who are truly anointed and they wound those people. They go find those folks and they, you know, I couldn't do a sister such and such mentorship. She had over 100 people in there and then I didn't feel like I was getting the personalized attention that's due to me. That's why people like that. They be like, I can't do big churches. I can't do that. I, I just don't feel like, you know, because uh, I need the pastor to notice me. I need him to notice my anointing. It's like, dude, get into a big church. Um, Even in a big church, there's a small church. Within a big church, if you volunteer, even in T.D. Jake's church, 
chances are you're going to run into um, Bishop T.D. Jakes. You're not going to be in the crowd. You're going to run into him because you work in the back office. If you're sweeping the floor, you're mopping. You're going to run into him over the course of time. You're going to have a closer mentorship with him over the course of time. And if you sit up there and you get into ministry training and you become developed and get this, you actually start building outside of the church and start waiting on him to give you a mic. Then you will have what you actually want. But if you fantasize about it and you go up in there thinking that because you anointed, you entitled to a mic, you will, you will walk out of there screaming church hurt to the masses. You will scream it to the heavens and to the hills. You will scream church hurt all over the place because you walked in with a fantasy. You walked in with an expectation. Um, you walked in with an unrealistic expectation and it didn't come to pass. It didn't come out the way you wanted it to. So instead, you walked up in there and thought because you were anointed and thought because you managed to get there super early and sit somewhere close to the front. And uh, T.D. Jakes happened to look back there and lock eyes with you or you thought he locked eyes with you. You thought that he saw your anointing and you thought that he was supposed to call you out of the crowd. You know, people like that, I kid you not, you will see them in, in, let's say, a church where there's deliverance and miracles. They will literally sit in the crowd. The pastor says, if you need healing, come to the front. They will not leave their seats. Be sitting up there. I'm talking about bent over. They will not leave their seats because they want you to look into the audience and come to them because they shame and they're entitled. They're entitled. They want you to look into the audience and lock eyes with them and see that they need healing. You need to see that prophetically and you need to leave the because I'm not coming up to, to the altar and embarrassing myself in front of all these people. No, I'm going to sit right here in this seat and you're going to come over here to me and you're going to lay hands on me and, and you know. And they think like that and they leave offended. It's the craziest stuff. They leave offended. They, you say, why are they offended? Because they didn't get prayed for. Even though they didn't go to the altar, they didn't get prayed for. Girl, I was up there and I, my back was hurting and, you know, my leg was hurting. That's why I didn't leave my seat. Get up. I was just standing up there. No, you were humiliated. And you didn't want to walk up there because you felt like you were superior to the rest. You didn't want to get lost in the crowd. You wanted him to personally give you attention because you felt like that. Like I said, this is the narcissism of American Christianity. You felt like the pastor was supposed to notice you and see this halo over your head and see that you're anointed and say, you, oh my God, oh my goodness, I'm shaking right now. Oh, oh let, me get, let me make my way over there to you. Or he's supposed to personally call you up and split the crowd so that you can come up there and do your little fake cry. And he's supposed to sit there and say, uh, woman of God, woman of God, there's such a call on your life. Matter of fact, the Lord is telling me to give you my mic. You need to come up here and you're going to be preaching. You're going to preach to the masses. Everybody look at her. All of her haters. Look, look, what, look, look what the God's going to do to her life. And you're going to pass out in front of everybody and you can walk there, put your head in the air and be all snobbish. That is the narcissism of American Christianity. People do that kind of stuff. will sit there, go and know they need deliverance, know they need healing, but will not leave their seat. Won't get anywhere out of their seats because in their minds, you're supposed to come to them. And those same people will come into a church and get mad at the pastor because in their mind, he's supposed to be their friend. You know, it, it doesn't matter that everybody else is there to get the same thing. Well, wisdom, revelation and knowledge. They feel that they're called to ministry. And because they've started a YouTube channel, they feel like the pastor is their comrade. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, peer in ministry or what have you. And they feel like, and these are the people I serve in church. They'll come into church and they'll be like, um, 
excuse me, I need to talk to your pastor. And you look at him like, uh, okay, can I ask what this is about? Well, um, yeah, I'm called to ministry and, um, and that's any church, any person who's ever served in church, they've had this character walk up to him. I'm called to ministry. And this is my first time. The Lord told me to come here and I'm checking out your church. Or I've came here a few times and I've been checking out your church and I like what I see, you know, and they be acting like they got $6 billion in their account. And now, you know, the pastor needs to talk to them or what have you. And when you go and when they do get a meeting with the pastor, if they get one, they're like, hi, I just wanted to kind of announce to you that I am here. Um, my name is, um, and typically they'll give themselves a title. I, my name is, uh, prophetess Mary, uh, Latricia James. And, um, I am a prophet. I've been, uh, hiding behind the veil for the last, uh, 24 years. And, uh, God speaks to me in dreams and visions. And, uh, I had a vision and God told me to come here and, now that I'm here, I wanted to kind of just let you know who I am because I think that, you know, that's important that you know who I am. And the pastor said, well, okay, well, it's good to meet you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I just wanted to let you know who I am. But in reality, that's not it. They were hoping that the pastor was going to start climaxing in his chair and start, you know, oh my goodness, the anointing on you're like, well, what do I do? What do I do? Okay. We can't, uh, I, I can't lose you. And these are the same people. They get offended because they don't want to go through ministry training. They don't want to go through processes. They don't like, see bound people hate boundaries. They don't like boundaries and they don't like processes. They don't want to get into anything. They just feel entitled. And these same people will get mad because, you know, they don't want to go into ministry training. They don't want to uh, do none of that. And they get mad after they've been there about a year or two. And maybe they help to set up a table or two or what have you. They, they volunteer here and there, but they're not doing anything consistent. And they get mad because the pastor still haven't let them preach. Um, they're not as close to the pastor like they wanted to be or what have you. They get mad and then they'll leave and they'll say, the Lord told me to dust my feet. You know, wherever a prophet is not without honor. And, uh, and it's, it's the, the, the silliest thing. They'll call themselves dusting their feet and leaving the church and they'll take people with them that they built uh, built soul ties with because I say demons are sticky. You know, um, they'll take people with them and then turn around and, you know, they play that little role of uh, the Lord told me to leave that church. You know, I, I get that, that that's your pastor and I, I, I respect that. But the Lord told me to dust my feet and to leave that church. He told you to leave the church. Why did he tell you to leave the church? Is it that he told you to leave? Uh, he wasn't necessarily telling you to leave that church um, or he didn't even tell you to come in there. It's just that you felt like that pastor was more accessible. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You felt like that pastor was more accessible. You felt like that you could um, manipulate that pastor because in some cases, people who do that, and I hate to say it, sometimes they are older. Sometimes they are older and they will go to a, um, they will go to a pastor that they feel is uh younger and they'll be like feeling like well you know because i'm older than you <laughs> like they honestly would try to fashion themselves as the pastor's mother in the faith you know even though they won't say it out loud they'll try to fa fashion themselves as the pastor's mother in the faith and they'll be like you know um I'm a little bit older than you. And so I understand things uh, that you may not necessarily understand, but it's okay. And they're very competitive. And, you know, well, uh, 
you know, that's how they do in this church. But you know what? It's because he 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 still got milk behind his ears. I got children older than him. Okay, okay. They come up in places like that because they feel like it's easier for them to get a platform um, based on their age. And when they don't get that, they oftentimes will get offended and they'll sit back there. Um, sorry, I'm trying. All right doing these photos for this young lady but they will get offended and then they'll play the victim and then they'll be like the lord told them to dust their feet so when it comes to a mentorship model understand this please don't think that you are a a a, a victim if somebody says to you if you say hey i want a mentor and you get a mentor and they put revelation on a website for you to go download and listen to and you come to calls you get to ask questions now and again and you happen to be in a room with a lot of people don't get offended with that. You know, just always be grateful that God is giving you that. Because there are people out there, and I tell my mentees this all the time. There are people out there who want to be uh, be in my mentorship. So many people that signed up for sponsored mentorships, but they can't afford it. You know, they, and so God is giving you the money to, 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 to get a mentorship. Be grateful for that. Be thankful for that. Show God that you're thankful for that mentorship. And don't disrespect that model. And don't try to make people mentor you the way you fantasize about being mentored. Because at the end of the day, people are going to give you the the, the, amount, the mode of mentorship that you can handle based on what God shows them. You know, the mentorship I give people is not based on what they want. I give them what they can handle. Because again, a lot of times people's ideas of mentorship, what they fantasize about, um, it's not the true model of mentorship. And again, if you were to give them what they wanted, they would turn you into friends. They would turn you into friends. And not only would they turn you into a friend, they would turn around and um, get frustrated with you. Anyhow, I love you guys. I hope this message bless you and God bless you.